Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com, and I am so excited, especially because the sun is finally out where I live. We go all of May and all of June and even a few days into July with overcast skies and cooler weather and I am over it. Although I don't have AC so I'm kind of also hoping that it doesn't get too out of control with the heat because it gets hot and it gets hard to sleep because we don't have AC. So I am busier uh, right now because my entire schedule has changed. I have taken on a what I think will be a short-term um, project, AKA job. And it is just a few days a week. Um, but I will say that, I, and I've said this since I left my teaching job, that I could never, ever go back to a nine to five or a full-time job. I just, I can't, it's not in me anymore. I don't have it. So, and I don't mean that in a snooty way. I know some of you rolling your eyes, judging me right now. Like, girl, what if you had to? What if you didn't have a choice? Well, I do. And I refuse to go back to a full-time nine to five. Like, it's just not in my storybook at all. So there you go. But one of the things that I'm loving so much about this new job and opportunity is that I get to be around uh, high school and college age guys. And it's part of a ministry, this company, um, and they do amazing things. And I am just always in awe of the wisdom and insights and creativity of young people. I just love it and get so much out of being around them and, and having conversations and just kind of like seeing things through their eyes. It just lifts me up and it's just so much fun to be around. So I'm really enjoying that part of it. I am excited. All right. I have an amazing guest on the show today. Her name is Gretchen Reed and you're going to love her and I have learned so much and I will talk about her in just a moment. Before we jump into the show, let's say thank you to our sponsor. This show is brought to you by the 52 weekly devotional called Always Faithful. This is something that yours truly launched about two months ago and it's been an amazing journal and prayer devotional for so many people, especially as a gift. Inside, you will find journal pages that you can interact with every day. There's a weekly devotional, key scripture, pages to journal and write down your thoughts and prayers, gratitude, uh, and daily declarations. And I give you over 50 included in the book. So you don't have to go anywhere to find them. You can just pull them right from there. The link is in the show notes. There is one for men. So if you got your boo, and you want to read alongside him, grab one for you and him, or again, it makes a great gift. So it is on Amazon, always faithful, grab yours today. Okay, back to Gretchen, my guest. Um, I learned a few things from her. Um, she's amazing. She is really talking to us today about intention, even though she doesn't use that word, I don't think that's what I took away from her. And I just feel like after hearing some of her story, because there's so much more, and there's so many things I didn't ask her. I'm so mad at myself after we ended the show. I was like, oh, I knew she was going on a bike ride with her wild pastor of a husband um, right after we talked. And I didn't, I forgot to ask her about that. But anyhow, what I heard from her was how important it is to lead with your head and your heart. And not by your own will, but 
a head and a heart that surrender to God. And he just always leads you down the right path, no matter what, no matter how far left or right you go. It just, he just always keeps you on his path when you have a surrendered soul to him, right? And so anyhow, that is what I took. I know you guys are going to love her. I cannot wait for you to hear her. So I'm going to stop talking and let you hear from Gretchen. Gretchen Reed is in the house. Gretchen, thank you for saying yes and for sharing this time. I know you're a busy lady, so thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for asking. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. You. Yeah. you know, you've been on my radar for a while, not Ooh. like a stalker style, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I see you. I see you. And, you know, I feel like we're just now getting to know each other, but there are enough things that I do know about you where I'm intrigued and I want to learn more about you. Mm. I know that you're a wife of a pastor, my pastor, Pastor Doug at Coast City Church, probably the best church in San Diego, right? Absolutely. Yes. The best. Yes. (laughs) I know that you have four boys and I don't know how you fed four boys. Well, really five because you have a husband. I have one and I'm like, oh my gosh, whenever I see people with more than one boy who's especially in the teenage years, I'm like, oh my God, how do they feed Mm -hmm. them? Mm -hmm. I know that you are a health coach, which I love that. I want to talk more about that. And also when we first came to Coast City, I remember... Pastor Doug mentioning that you guys were kind of new too and came from same area as we did pretty much the Central Valley you Stockton right well we actually came from Sacramento but Northern California right okay yeah so close enough Mm -hmm. Um, so I just felt like a connection with that so I always love to just learn more about people's faith story because I know I shared the other day that I really didn't even know God. And I mean, I I knew who he was and I had my grandma taught me to pray when I was young, but that was it. And so I'm always curious to know people's faith story. So we can start with that. So is this something that you grew up in the church and have always kind of been on this path? Yeah, good question. Yes, I didn't come from a ministry family, so to speak. My parents were not pastors. But I do have really young memories of growing up in church and Sunday school and and all of the things, lots of memories of that. And yeah, we we just, I was brought up in the church, went, had my summers of going to summer camp and youth groups and, and Sunday schools on Sunday mornings. And it was, I, I do, that's how I was raised. It probably wasn't until, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of your question. No, go ahead. But it probably wasn't until I met my now husband and just kind of how we ended up getting married and the details of that was when my faith became real. Oh. And, you know, I, it was like, I was brought up. I knew I, you know, I sang the songs. I went to camps. I had the summer high at camp, came back, went to school and, and, you know, did the school thing. And, and it's like my, my walk with Christ really never took hold of it being my own until I found myself in a place of going, oh, no, I really screwed this one up. Can I say that on your podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <said> worse. <laughs> okay. And it was like, okay, God, I need you. Like, I need you for real, for real. And and then it it became my own personal relationship with Jesus at that point. And then from then on, I really haven't looked back. And so, yeah. 
And that was when you were a teenager? That was, I was 19 about to turn, I was, I think I just turned 20. And well, the bottom line is, here's the story, is I found myself pregnant. And, you know, my, now my husband, but we had gotten, we'd gotten pregnant before we were married. And of course I was brought up in the church in a Christian home and Doug's parents were pastors. And so very strict environment for him. Mine wasn't quite as strict, but it was still like there was some expectations. And so when we found ourselves pregnant and having to tell our parents, that was when I was like, okay, like I, I can't do this life hanging on to my parents' coattails. I, I have to put on my big girl pants and I have to walk with Jesus myself. And, and so that's kind of how it began. I was 20 years old. Doug was 19 when we got married. We told our so, parents. So you were rocking the cradle. Right. Yeah. Six months, six months, baby. <laughs> but yeah. And it was one of those like sobering moments, even for both of us, even with Doug, he, which is, I know this isn't about him, but he, he knew he was going to be in ministry someday, but that wasn't my past or my passion or what my thought my future was. And so for him, he was like, oh man, I totally screwed this one up. But for me, I was like, oh, so this is like, this is what I really need in life. And Doug had experienced the walk with Christ. And he just, I think I lured him away. It was my fault. But (laughs) I know, I know. But anyways, yeah. So that's when Jesus became real to me. Yeah, that's a big deal. I mean, you're both being brought up in the church. He's more, I guess, plugged in, we could Uh say, um, than you were at that time. But something like this happens. And there's a lot of people who do grow up in the church and they know God. But there's a difference when you're actually connected on a spiritual level, right? Having that relationship and really knowing the love of God. For sure. Uh, And so how did that go? Did you guys get married right away? We did. We did. We told my parents on in August, I think it was August 19th. We told my parents and by September 28th, we were married. Wow. We did it in six weeks. Our families came together and, you know, we, we got a scolding from both of them, which is fine. You know, we were young and, uh, and, but then we came together as a family and just the two families together and just said, okay, this is what we're like. We're we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can with what we have and and so we threw together a wedding and six weeks later we were married and it was beautiful. I don't regret any of it at all and and our families actually instantly became close because of that and still to this day my parents and Doug's parents are still good friends. They both moved down here to Oceanside with us. So I cannot. I know. I I just met your mom. I had no idea. Yeah, it is your mom, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She was there. She got one of your books on. Yeah. She came mm-hmm. up and, and I looked at her and she said, I'm Gretchen's mom. And I'm like, she has the same, or I should say your son, Kai. Yeah. Kai has her eyes. I was like, you have the same eyes as your grandson or whatever, <laughs> vice versa. But I just thought, hey, how lucky are the both of you to have your parents here? Yeah. Yeah. I know Doug's parents are from, well, I don't know where they were before, but. Well, they had been in Stockton for quite a while. And in fact, Doug was living in Stockton when I met him, but his, he was managing a store in Sacramento and a retail store that I was working at. And that's how we met. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you guys got married young and at that time, cause you're, you know, you're still really young. Were you prepared for it? Were you excited about it? How, how was that? 
Yeah, we were, you know, there was some shame. I will say as you know, I carried a lot of shame for quite a while just because I knew that that wasn't the way I wanted to start my marriage and my family. You know, I, I, I just was like, I totally messed this up. And so I walked actually with a lot of guilt and shame for quite a while. My age, I looked a lot younger than I, I mean, even 20, I still looked younger. And so I got a lot of looks, you know, with the belly, a lot of looks, a lot of interesting comments and, you know, those things hurt, they stick and, you know, they say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is just not truth. That's not true at all. And so there's a lot of words that were said that were really hurtful, even from strangers, people I didn't know. And, but it stuck because, because it's, I knew that that was not how I wanted my life to go. And I knew that wasn't the way God had expected my life to go. And, but here we are and, but we were in love. I will tell you that we were in love and we had talked about marriage. Someday we were going to get married, but we had thought about, you know, what are we going to do until then? Like we had some dreams and some things that we wanted to do. And, and then all that changed and we just said, okay, this is the path that we've chosen and here we go. And we just didn't look back. Yeah. And 32 years in September this year, we'll have been married. And, you know, I, I don't recommend getting married that young for everybody, but for us, it worked because we decided it was going to work. We yeah. just said, this is going to work and it's going to be hard, but we we're in it. Yeah. And yeah. And then That's we had three more children after that. So good. That was my next question. You guys built a family. How many years apart? From we your first did. To your One to two is 17 months apart. Okay. Uh, yeah. They were pretty much back to back and we're totally enjoying life. And then we took like a nine and a half, 10 year break, not on purpose, but just the way it worked out and had number three. And then we thought we were done and surprise was number four, 15 months later. Oh, that's so funny. So the first two are close in age and the second two are close in age. Correct. And they're all boys. And they're all boys. And I Mm -hmm. love their names. Tell me your youngest son's name. The youngest is Tate, T-A-T-E, Tate. Okay. And then number three is Kaya, K-I-A-H. Oh, it's Kaya. I kept saying mm-hmm. Kaya. Okay. It's short for Hezekiah. That's Doug's favorite oh, okay. king in the Bible, Kaya. And we battled over, do we call him Hezekiah or Kaya? And I was like, mm, just Kaya. Mm-hmm. I like that better. And then yeah. number two is Bo. This was a, a name that I've always loved and wanted. So he was number two. And, and then our oldest, our first child is, is Andrew. He goes by Drew. Okay. Yes. Definitely know Drew. That's how I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you guys were young and together, you knew that his path was going to be ministry. Yeah. When you got married, did it, did that begin right away? It, it, it took about two years just because of the path that we chose and because his parents are in ministry, you know, we kind of had to settle in and, and really work on our own relationship with the Lord and, and didn't feel like it was the right timing, obviously, because, you know, we just made some mistakes and, but it took about two years and I thought, oh, this is, you know, we won't be actually in ministry. And I was kind of excited because I was like, I don't, I, I didn't want that. I didn't come from ministry. And I, was like the last thing I want to be is a pastor's wife. <laughs> yeah, that's what, exactly. <laughs> but two years later, almost to the day, we found ourselves leading the youth group at Doug's dad's church. 
Oh, okay. And they, he had a youth pastor when we got married and we, we had kind of jumped in and just said, Hey, we're, we'll help with like being youth leaders. And that was about after a year. And then we found ourselves without a youth pastor. They ended up moving on and his dad had a hard time finding one. And he finally said, Doug, do you want to be the youth pastor? And Doug wasn't ready to give up his, his job. We were both working full time at this point. But it said, you know, I'll do it kind of on a volunteer basis, dad. And, you know, if you would allow me to kind of experiment and do ministry different. And his dad agreed and said, okay. And so we kind of experimented. (laughs) So you were the other youth leader, youth pastor? Yeah, we went from youth being youth leaders to being the youth pastors. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know. I'm sure you know better than me, of course. You're in this world. But I was wondering about that. When somebody becomes a pastor and they're married, is it typical for the wife to automatically assume a role? No, it's not typical because, I mean, for us, we decided that we're just going to do this together. But there are several people in ministry that the one spouse just, you know, I could have just said, no, I'll I'll manage the kids. You go do what you got to do. But we decided we wanted to conquer this together. We wanted to live this life together. And we wanted to bring our kids and have them be involved at whatever level. And because what, what has been seen before in ministry is ministry becomes more important than family. In, in some pastor's households. That's not necessarily what Doug had experienced within his own family, but he had seen it with other people around where ministry becomes so important. They're always away from the house. They're doing, you know, this, that, and the other. And we said, let's do this together. That way we're together because if we're going to go and grow a youth ministry, it is going to take time. And we are going to have to pour ourselves into it, but why not do it together so that we can experience this together and there'll be no bitterness that can get rooted there because you're gone all the time or, you know, I'm with the kids all the time. And so we just said, oh, we're going to do this together. This is what we're going to do. And uh, no, that doesn't mean I started preaching and all that. I just was there. I showed up. I was there to hang out with the kids. I was just, you know, I was always around. You had a presence and you still do. I see you doing different things. Mm-hmm. You're involved in many different ways, but yeah, I, I kind of figured it wasn't an automatic given that spouses were co-leading or, or involved in some capacity. Cause some were just, I mean, from a, a couple of churches that I know from the past, the wives took a much lesser role mm-hmm. and weren't as visible, but, and then you guys have your your boys growing up, seeing both of you, partner, tag team, devoted to ministry. And I see all of them involved in one way or another. I know one of your sons lives still back north. Lived up north. Yeah. He's a youth pastor up in, in Eldorado. So amazing. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Did that ever become tricky? Because this is your life. This is what you're modeling and setting as an example and teaching your children, but at the same time, making sure that they know. I don't know. How do you keep that balance of just making sure they know that they have the free will to choose their own path? Because I know a lot of preachers' mm-hmm. kids can maybe feel that pressure or yeah. have that's that expectation a, over them. That's a great question. 
And that was something you know, we just said at an early age when our kids were young. We just said, you know what, whatever God calls them to do, if it's ministry, awesome. If it's not, awesome. We just are firm believers that God needs good people everywhere. He needs good, strong faith leaders in business, in the marketplace, you in the courthouse, in the police department, like what all of the areas. We need good, strong Christian leaders. And our job is to partner with God and raise good, strong men that love him. And God's job is to tell them where they're supposed to go. And so that's just kind of the approach we took. And so far, two out of the four are in ministry full time. My other two are still in school. One just graduated high school, is going to college. And then Kaya, number three, is in college now. And he is very involved in the youth department and also on our worship team. So, you know, he, he most likely may end up in the ministry, but it's not a, it's not a requirement for the Reed family, but it just, it just <laughs> kind happens, of happens. Falling this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's so amazing. You, and you know what too, Barbara, we decided to, to in, incorporate our boys and we wanted to make church fun. We wanted to make it something that's a very positive experience. The way we approached everything was positive and encouraging. And, you know, if we knew we were going to be at church all day, one of the churches we were at for 13 years, they had fountains at the church. And so if we knew it was going to be a long day, we said, bring your swimsuits. You guys can play in the fountain. Like, so it, when the whole idea was, we want them to want to come to church and not dread coming to church. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have come out of ministry homes that, you know, they're in fact, what's really interesting with Coast City is we have a lot of people that have come to be kind of restored because they just had a bad taste in their mouth of being a pastor's kid or growing up in ministry. And because there was a lot of, major expectations of what it may look like, how people would perceive. And we just said, we're not going to live there. We're going to make this fun and positive so that you love church and you love God's people. And, and it's not something that you dread. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I, I always think of churches being fun, I guess I've just happened to choose the right churches to go to, but (laughs) whenever I hear those stories, I'm like, what, what kind of church have you guys gone to? Well, here's what happens when, you know, if you're not careful, you're dragging your kids everywhere. They don't want to go. They can't do anything outside of church. They don't, you know, if, if their friends don't go to church, they can't hang out with those friends. And there, there's some families that are really strict like that. And, and we just, we didn't want it to feel like we're dragging our kids. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so far it's paid off. All of my kids love being at church. They are involved on their own will, not because we've expected or required it. They've decided on their own. And so, I don't know, I, I think for that, our approach has worked. Good. That's amazing. I do always get almost choked up when I see your Kaya singing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, because it is, a, I know it's a choice. It's a choice mm-hmm. for them to be there and to be there with the heart that they have. Right. Right. And I had honestly never seen your youngest son because I'm always kind of in the back. And I just, I didn't even know what he looked like. And I, I do now. And I saw him recently at probably at the last service that I was at. And I'm like, oh, come on. This one's here too, all up in the mix with his camera, like 
telling everybody. <laughs> like these kids are too cute. They're so yeah, I was sweet. Say, you've probably seen him on a roaming camera. And if he's not on the camera, then he's in the back on the switcher. So once I saw him, I realized I've seen him a hundred times. I just didn't yeah. know that that was your guys' son. Yeah. So that is just so sweet and such a blessing to have them all there, your your parents, everybody, the whole family. It's a whole family yeah. affair. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you ever feel like, and this is one of the things I think most people think of with a pastor's wife, is that maybe sometimes you feel like that becomes your identity? Hmm. Did you ever feel like that? Or because you always had that partner role, you, you avoided that? You know, it's interesting. I do feel it like it's my identity, and I don't mind it. I embrace the role of a pastor's wife. There was a season, a long season where I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel like, like I would tell God, God, you picked the wrong girl for the job. Mm. Like you should have had Doug marry somebody else. Cause I am not the right person. Cause I felt very insecure. I didn't look or sound like, or dress like the pastor's wives that I grew up with that I was around even some of the churches that we were a part of. I'm like, I feel like a completely different opposite woman. And it wasn't until later um, that I realized, and you know, of course I had some amazing women in my life that encouraged me like, no, embrace the difference. Like that's why God has called you to this because there is a need for you to be you. And it, it took me a while, but once I got there, I was able to embrace that. And I just kind of owned, like, I don't look and sound like I don't play an instrument. I don't sing. I don't necessarily even lead women's ministries, which now I've kind of taken a role of, you know, I am now a part of our leadership there. But so many times, pastors wives, there's a stigma or an expectation And I didn't fulfill any of the expectations that are tradition. And that's okay. Uh, And for me to be able to say that's okay now is a big thing because there's years ago that I couldn't say that I felt shame. And like, but I can't do that. But I'm not doing that. I don't feel good and strong enough. I don't don't know the Bible like these other women. I don't like all these things, you know. Mm -hmm. And, And I found that that is one of the things that, draw people in is the differences that I am able to walk in. Yeah. It's very clear that you are comfortable in your skin. You're real. There's no pretentiousness whatsoever about you. And you are different in a, in a really good way. And I love it because it Mm -hmm. just keeps it more real. Right. You know, you show up that way and that's who you are. I love that. Okay, let's jump now to your health coaching. So when I first met you, I think it was probably about a year ago around there. And at that time, I had got certified as a life coach. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. you were also a a coach in the health space. So tell me about that. How did that come about? And just tell me all about that. That started six years ago. Six years ago was around the time that we were transitioning from Northern California to Southern California. And I found myself in a place where uh, there were some really exciting things happening in our life and in our ministry. We went from being executive pastors where we were. I say we, my husband was, but you know, we do a lot of things together. So he was the executive pastor 
And we were transitioning from that role to taking the lead role in a church down here in Oceanside, where we're at now. And so it was exciting. And those feelings of, of what's the word? Just feeling like, oh man, I'm not ready for this. I'm not feeling well prepared. I, you know, I'm not in a healthy place in my body and in my mind. We went through a season that was really challenging and, and it showed up in my body, to be honest with you. And so I went on my own health journey and I found a a program and a plan and I just kind of sunk in my, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine is now my health coach, but I watched her journey and I just said, you know, Michelle, I need help. What are you doing? And I decided to link arms with her and trust her because I didn't know that I could actually be successful. And so I, I went on this journey and, and two weeks in, I was only down like 10 pounds but it, it had already started to change my outlook on life and the way I was feeling. And, and so two weeks in, I said, sign me up to coach. People need to know about this. And, and that's kind of how I got started because I had experienced it myself. And I went on to lose 70 pounds, radically transformed my life. I mean, I felt like it was probably one of the most spiritual experiences that I've, I've had. Our program isn't a faith-based program necessarily, but because of my faith and I understand that, you know, God wants what's best for his children. And I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, this is what I was to do. And it was just this incredible experience of just trusting him, trusting this plan, trusting that this is the direction I'm supposed to go. And and, and another fun fact is when I signed up to coach, I was like, people need to know about this. But the, the other half of that was we were moving to Southern California and I was going to have to get a job. You know, it's just, that's just the way yeah. the society is right now. I had to get a job. And God said, here you go. Let's, let's have you do this. Because it became a ministry tool for me too, where you know, I can minister to people within the church walls and even outside the church walls. But when you talk about health with somebody, you really can go deep fast. It's very a transparent conversation because our health is such a sensitive topic. And if someone's willing to talk to you about their health and where they're at and, and how they're feeling about themselves and how they feel like they let themselves down and all the conversations I have with my clients, it is a beautiful opportunity to minister in a totally different way. And so I felt like God just dropped into my lap and said, here you go. And I, I never had to go get a job because what my health coaching has been able to do is it's been able to sustain us financially with what we needed here in Southern California. And, and so there's days where it's hard, but I just cling to that. Like, God, this is the gift that you gave me. And not only did you give me the gift of my own health, but you're giving me the gift of the financial side so that we can continue to do what you've called us to do down here. Yeah. What a blessing that yeah. he answers us in his own way. It's not mm-hmm. what we even asked for or thought, you know, he would do, but he does something and and then you see it all yeah. right before your eyes. And with health and people, I'm assuming that most people who come to you 
either, well, I would say probably want to lose weight. Is that a major? That's yeah. For a lot of people? Almost hundred percent of my clients. That is that there, there are a handful that come for other reasons. Maybe they have a financial need because they, it's a, you know, it becomes a job. It's an opportunity to, to create some income by helping others get healthy. And oh, okay. some may just need some healthy habits. You know, they yeah. don't, don't necessarily have weight to lose, but they aren't healthy because of the food choices that they're making. And, but majority of my clients have weight to lose. They want to get off medication. I've had clients come off all kinds of crazy medication. I feel like I need a disclaimer here, so I'll be careful what I say. But people are finding freedom in their health and they're being able to, you know, get on the floor with their grandkids and ride roller coasters and not use seatbelt extenders when they fly and all kinds of things in their life. Wearing a swimsuit for the first time in years. And there it helps them get to a place to where they feel they're feeling really good about how they're taking care of themselves. That it's not always about the number on the scale. It's the that self-confidence that God gives us that's when you know that I'm taking I'm doing something right. I'm taking care of myself. I feel good. And when we feel good, we do good. And when we feel good, we actually hear God even a little bit a little bit better. I know that sounds crazy. No, it's true. But when you are not feeling healthy in your skin and you are feeling tired and exhausted all the time and you you feel like God's calling you to something but you're just like I just don't have the energy for it. I can't I don't I don't I can't get off the couch. But when you take care of yourself and you learn how to fuel your body in a way that serves you then all of a sudden you are stepping into what God's calling you to do. And you are able to say yes because you feel good. You are able to try something new because you have a little bit of confidence where you don't really care what people think about you anymore. As before, you cared too much because you were so self-conscious. And so it's, it's so much more than the scale. It's your mind. How do you see yourself? How do you take care of yourself? How do you see the world? How about your surroundings? Are you creating healthy surroundings and putting people around you that are going to push you towards living your best life or that's going to drag you down and cause you to, you know, maybe it's drink every weekend instead of go out for a hike on Saturday? What's going to help move you towards what God has called you to? And so there's so many, so many various, various ways of looking at health and it's, it's more than weight, but weight is a huge part. That's so good. Our bodies are our temple and Mm -hmm. it's never about the scale. Like you said, it's, there's so many implications when you're carrying that extra weight, it's discomfort and you lose confidence and Mm self-esteem and all those things that you mentioned, but it's, it's, we're so interconnected. There's so many different things. It's we're very complex. Yeah. And that's just one aspect, but it just affects us in so many ways. And yeah. health is more as I age, such a, a gift and a thing to prioritize and really, really focus on just being my absolute best. So I can yeah. feel good and be good for myself and and everybody else around me. Right. And it comes down to the habits. Like that's the bottom line. It's the habits that we put in place of 
everything from what we eat to what we think to our bedtime, how many hours of sleep we get. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the the man doesn't have a heart attack because he ate a cheeseburger today. Right. The man had a heart attack because he has eaten cheeseburgers his whole life. Yeah. And it's the consistency of bad habits that leads to unhealth or unwellness. But but the consistency of good options, of good decisions and good choices, and then a cheeseburger every I mean, this is just an example. Right. Cheeseburgers aren't always terrible, but a, a cheeseburger every once in a while, it's that's that's the way to live. You know what I'm saying? So, but it's the habits that we put in place in our lives and the consistency of those that creates health. Yeah. What are the habits that you have personally put in place over the years that have contributed to where you are now? Probably the, well, I don't, in no particular order, I now love water. Water is simple as that sounds. Most people that I talk to before they start my program tell me they drink maybe 16 ounces of water a day. I do not understand that. I know. And I'm like, wow, that was probably me before I started if I was to really go back and think about that. But water is so important. Our bodies need it. It recycles water constantly. And if we don't give it good, fresh, clean water, it's going to recycle dirty water which then gets into our organs and that's a whole mess. And we wonder why we have kidney issues or, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so water is life, literally life. Yeah. So I shoot for, personally, I shoot for hundred ounces a day. Wow. Okay. Let's see. I'm at, what am I at? Probably 64. So you, you leave me in yeah. the dust. Well, no, I mean a day, it's only one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> you can get in 40 more ounces uh, or 35 more ounces. The thing is I, I actually eat every couple hours, every yeah. two to three hours I'm eating. I've, I have, that's been something that's been hard for me because I love food and it's small portions every few hours is, is really the game changer. And I've, I've had to give up some of the things that I thought were my favorites, but now I realized, oh, that's what was making me not feel good. And so things like milk, I don't even drink milk and very little dairy. It doesn't like my body. My body does not like it. And recently I kind of hung and clung to the diet soda, even though I know it's not a habit of health. I am human. I'm not perfect. and I'm not like ultra health. I'm working towards ultra health. I am a healthy person. I'm working towards ultra health, but I hung on to the diet soda for a while and I am one month into no more diet soda, no, no soda at all. And that has been a, a bit of a challenge, but I feel amazing. That is so good. Yeah. And the other thing I recognize is I am 100% a sugar addict. And when I let my guard down and I say, Oh, just one cookie. I know now it will never be one cookie. Never. I will be on a binger like a sugar, like I'll be looking for sugar for the next several days until I finally feel like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing? It's, it is literally a drug for me. Oh my gosh. So I have to really like, my goal is to stay away completely. And I, and I trick myself sometimes and I'm like, okay, just one cookie. I think I can do it this time. And then nope, can't do it. It, It is a drug. And they say sugar is as addictive as cocaine. And I, and I literally can tell you, well, I, I've never tried cocaine, but I can tell you it's addictive. Yeah, because I can't, I can't hardly stop. 
when I get started. I, me either. I I feel like everything you are sharing about your habits, I do the same thing. I don't know if I'm a sugar addict. Maybe I am, but I, I I just don't bring it into my home. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm so weak and I will, like my husband, he bought, I don't know, I think it was like a half a dozen of donuts recently. And I just wanted one, but he ordered six donuts for three of us. And so uh-huh. I ate three donuts. I'm like, what am I doing? I can't control myself. <laughs> That's me. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I am an addict in denial. I don't know, but I feel you. Let's just say that. Yes. Yes. Well, those are great habits. Plenty mm-hmm. of water, s- small portioned meals frequently throughout the mm-hmm. day. What are your favorite snacks? Well, I love our program bars. They're some of my favorite. They're protein bar. I love those. I also love pistachios. Cucumbers are my go-to. When it, if I just am like, I just need a crunch right now. I love cucumbers. I'm currently on on a fitness journey that I just started a lot of chicken and rice. And I haven't done a lot of rice up to this point because I've been trying to keep the carbs, you know, low and I'm loving the rice right now. So (laughs) thank you, Jesus, for rice. (laughs) Yes, rice is good. You can do rice so many different ways. Yeah. Love that. Very cool. One thing I did, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning, but you and Doug do a show every morning on YouTube. We do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's Doug and Gretchen in the morning. It's on Mm -hmm. YouTube. And I didn't know this until last week, Facebook. It's under the church's Facebook. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Coast City Church. Yeah. Coast City Church on Facebook. Yeah. So can you just tell us what you guys do during that time every morning? Yeah. We got started during COVID. And when COVID hit, we were fairly new with where we were at Coast City. And we didn't have a very strong online presence. We had a Facebook page, but we weren't streaming our, our services online live yet. And COVID actually was really kind to our church. We have a lot of young people that are very familiar with social media and all the things. And so we just kind of jumped in and it it pushed us to go online. And because of my health coaching, thank you, Lord, I understood the, the power of social media also, because that's where I primarily, you know, connect with people is through social media. And so I knew, Hey, we just have to get online. We have to go live on Facebook. And so that's kind of how we communicated with our church. We, we went live, we sent out an email and says, meet us on Facebook or go on live in the church's page. And we kind of did a family meeting when we knew we were going to shut down for COVID, at least for the beginning, the first couple of weeks. And what we had found is our people really needed, they needed the connection. Well, we knew everybody, but we were like, how do we take care of our congregation? And so, because we knew the power of social media, we just said, let's go on and do devotions in the morning. Doug and I decided this together. And, and so if you go back and look at our very first one, we are a hot mess. But March 16th of whenever that was, 2020, was our first Doug and Gretchen in the morning. And we said 714 because we were using the scripture, Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles 714. It says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Uh, I will, I will hear from heaven and, and I'll heal, heal their land. 
I may have missed a, a little portion in there, but that's the gist of it. So that's why we chose 714 in the morning off of Second Chronicles. And we started thinking, eh, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve was what they were saying. So we thought, okay, two weeks to keep connected with our congregation and just to encourage them. The whole idea was we're going to encourage them. There's a lot of fear going on in the media. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of scare tactics at the beginning and even the first couple of years or the first year. And we said, we are not going to, that's, this is, God is not a God of fear and we're not going to operate that way. And we're not going to lead our people that way. And so we chose our theme is gratitude. We're going to start it with gratitude. We're going to read the Bible and we're going to pray and that's it. And this is how we get our minds right every day. And so that's kind of been our theme. We're on here to get our minds right. We all need it. This is something that everybody needs in life. And so we're going to start with gratitude. And we ask everybody, even now to this day, I think today was, I don't remember how many days, but it we've been doing it every day, Monday through Friday since then. And so over three years now, and it's interactive. People are commenting. We're commenting oh, back. Yeah. We're saying yeah. good morning to people. And that was something from the beginning that we said, this is what we're going to do because we want, we want that interaction. We just wanted it to be different. And so that's what it is. And we're still going, I have no idea how long we will go, but it is just stuck. And we've got an audience that jumps on every single morning and it blows our mind every day. We're like, wow, they just keep coming back for more. And what's fun though, what we've decided to do as we approach the Bible is we just been going through different books of the Bible and we read. And so we kind of gotten into our rhythm and we decide, you know, Doug, obviously he's the leader. And so he tells us what book we're in. So we start a book right now. We started for Samuel and I read, he interrupts and breaks it down, explains something, highlights something, does a little mini sermon sometimes. Or if I have a question, I'll say, what does that mean? Or why do you think they did it that way? Or how does that, you know, and, and then he explains it and people are chiming in, they're adding their two cents, they're asking questions. And it's just been really cool, a great way to, to learn the Bible. Yeah, I've only joined a couple of times and I really enjoyed it. And so I will continue logging on. I really didn't know. I mean, I, I that's my morning devotion time. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just forget. And maybe somebody announced it at church. And I was like, I have to check that out. I have to remember to put that on my calendar to, to stop what I'm doing or just yeah. go there. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at all this activity on here. I love it. And it was just, it it felt like a Bible study. It was a really good way to go through the Bible in a guided way and and have that interactive engagement, just talking points throughout. I love it. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, I have something new. I just started this with my last guest. So you'll be the second one, but I thought it'd be fun. I have three questions and I want to ask you, I'm calling it Bless Me With Three. And the first one is, do you have a favorite go-to scripture that you either hold on to for yourself or share with people in time of need? I know there's a thousand scriptures. Oh man, I probably one of my favorites and I have to look it up because I actually don't really know it by heart. So give me one second. It's Ephesians 3.20. Oh yeah. And I know bits and pieces, but give me one quick second and I will read it to you. But this is, this is one that 
It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And it just tells me that nothing's impossible for God. Yeah. Right? yeah. That one is so encouraging. It always fills me up with hope. Yeah. Good. Love that one. All right. Number two, do you have a favorite book or podcast that you would recommend? Let's see here. Favorite book? That's tricky. I I don't even know what you're looking for, but I love oh, anything. Rivers. Okay. I love Francine Rivers. Any book that Francine Rivers writes, highly, highly recommend. She is a Christian author that she was, she had written a lot of secular books and then found Christ and has a whole slew of novels and they're beautiful. She takes stories from the, some of them are stories like Bible stories that she writes and they're just, they're beautiful. Her writing is amazing. So Francine Rivers, she's got all kinds of books. That would be, if I'm going on a vacation and I don't want to do any like leadership development, I, I have a Francine Rivers book with me. Nice. Oh, good. I always love hearing new names. Yeah. And as far as podcasts, this might sound really funny, but I really love Ed Milet. Okay. Yes. No Ed Milet. (laughs) A lot of people love him. Yes. I do enjoy him. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the last one is, who do you consider your greatest inspiration, whether it's somebody you know personally or not, somebody you've kind of looked to as a guide? Oh, man, that's tricky because I have several and they're all for different reasons. Probably Darlene Betzer is a pastor's wife of a church that we were youth pastors at in Florida. She has been quite an inspiration to me just in the way she carries herself. She's full of grace. And I, I just love that. I have a lot of friends in my health circle that inspire me that to continually push myself just to keep moving forward. It, what's really fun is my health circle, 99% of them are Christians, are believers of Jesus. And and so I'm inspired to continue. I, it's you can work towards your health and love God all at the same time, and it doesn't have to be either or. It's not a vain thing to work on your health. And so there's a lot of folks in that circle that inspire me every day. That's so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love how we can have different people who inspire us in different ways. Yeah. So blessed to have that. Well, this has been so much fun. I can't believe we've already been talking for almost an hour. Oh, wow. Crazy, right? (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) Well, thank you again for being here. I know you took some time out of your day to to join us, but I'm excited to share you with my listeners. And I know they're going to really enjoy just hearing your story and some of what you have to share about your journey Mm -hmm. in this life, this beautiful life. And I will be sure to put all of your links. Where do you mostly spend your time on social media? Is it Instagram, Facebook? Facebook and Instagram. The two of them kind of are, are, yeah, about the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll make sure to put your information there. And uh, yes, thanks. And we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.